Blog Talk Radio. Groundbreaking 10-year study by the Tampa Bay Times and the Center for Investigative Reporting has exposed a number of high-profile U.S. charities for failing to pass on donations to people in need. The study underscores the issue of the corporatization of charity, charities serving primarily as a business with their philanthropic aims subordinated to job creation. Sure. been detected. In short, while givers believe they are donating to keep impoverished children off the streets, they are actually paying to keep that charity collector on the street. The teams crushed the numbers of over 11,000 U.S. charities. They compared the funds raised through soliciting for donations to the amount of money which actually ends up handed over as cash aid to the recipients and found a startling figure. Of almost a billion dollars raised over the decade, just 43.9 million ended up as direct cash aid. More than 900 million funded soliciting for the donations. So 935.6 million dollars paid to solicitors. Uh, 
$348.2 billion cash to charities, $43.9 to direct only count. Most our groups say no more than 35% of donations should go to fundraising costs. There is no standard for how much should be spent on direct cash. Among the very worst offenders, less than 1% of cash donated actually went to the cause or people for whom the charity purports to raise money. Here are the top, uh, the top ten worst charities in America. Don't donate to these guys this Christmas unless you're clear you just want to keep these people in jobs. Number one, the Kids Wish Network. The Kids Wish Network describes itself as an international charitable organization dedicated to infusing hope, creating happy memories, and improving the quality of life for children having experienced life-altering situations. Kids Wish Network assists children and their families through several key programs. Their website claims that 100% of contributions directed to Kids Wish Network Guardian Angel Fund will go directly to supporting our kids through our services and programs. According to the report, of the $137 million collected by fundraisers, $115 million was spent on soliciting those donations meaning the charity donated just 2.5% of the funds raised to direct cash aid. Amazing, huh? Yeah. And then the second is Cancer Fund of America. This charity declares that one that its principal mission is to provide cancer victim support to the ill and needy. But if their spending priorities are anything to go by, then the real priority is staying in business. Of the $86.8 million collected for the fund, a whopping $74.5 million was spent on fundraising, and just 1% was uh, went to a so-called principal mission. 1%, okay? So stay away from uh, the Cancer Fund of America. Number three, okay. Children's Wish Foundation International. <clears throat> CWFI presents itself to donors as a nonprofit wish-granting organization founded on the premise that seriously ill children, regardless of race, color, creed, religion, or economic status, are eligible to experience a normal carefree childhood. But the charity below $61.2 million of the $92.7 million raised on raising the money, with just 10% of funds spent on making children's wishes come true. Firefighters Charitable, Charitable Foundation. And that's number four. Firefighters Charitable Foundation was created to provide a financial assistance to people who have been affected by a fire or disaster. But fewer than eight cents in every dollar donated makes it through to the purpose. Imagine number that. five. International Union of Police Associates. AFL-CIO. The UPA claims to be steadfastly dedicated to our mission to improve the lives of public safety officers. But the figures tell another story. In the last decade, the charity solicited $66 million in donations, but spent $50.4 million soliciting those donations. They handed over a shameful 0.5% of funds to their core purpose. Oh, my God. And six, Breast Cancer Relief Foundation. The foundation claims it serves women in need in the United States and around the globe by supporting breast cancer awareness and education prevention, 
medical assistance and relief and innovation research. But over the last decades, just two cents of every dollar donated has gone to this mission. Now, two cents out of a dollar for the cancer Breast Cancer Relief Foundation. Number seven, American Association of State Troopers. The fraternal, this fraternal organization spends almost ten times as much on collecting money as it does on state trooper brothers, with just 8.9% of the 48.1 million raised being gifted in aid. Number eight, National Veterans Service Fund. The National Veterans Service Fund claims it is dedicated to helping serve veterans and their families, but not quite as dedicated as it is to perpetrating its own existence. It spends less than eight cents of every dollar donated on this purpose, eight cents goes to goes to the to the to the vets. Nine Children's Cancer dollar. Fund of America. The Children's Cancer Fund claims to be dedicated to relieving stress and suffering by providing aid, funds, financial assistance, in-kind grants to children suffering from cancer in their families. But it passes on just 4.6 percent of funds raised to those causes. And number 10, Children's Cancer Recovery Foundation. The aim of of foundation is improving the mental, social, and emotional well-being of these families while helping to minimize the devastation cancer can cause. But every dollar donated in this pursuit, less than one cent will be spent on children with cancer. Less than one cent out of a dollar will be spent on So, Kids Wish Network, total raised by solicitors, $137 million, paid to solicitors, $115, spent 2.5%. I mean, this is really sick, 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 sick. This is America's worst charities. So, folks, remember, if if you're thinking of spending anything, don't spend it on children's cancer recovery, uh, National Veterans Service Fund, right? American Association of State Troopers. They're all frauds. Breast Cancer Relief Foundation, International Union of Police Associations, which is the AFL-CIO, which is a fraud. The Firefighters Charitable Foundation, a fraud. Children's Wish Foundation International, a fraud. Cancer Fund of America, a fraud. All right? We thought we'd lend, we'd give you that information so you can make up your own mind. But uh, hey, here's something interesting. It's in the same part of the place. Uh, Fifteen medieval hygiene practices that will make you queasy. I don't know if that's going to come up or not. Medieval hygiene practices that might make you queasy. Okay, let's see what that is. I don't want to read that. I would like to read news layouts. I would too, but I will try, Lila. Give me a minute, please.
censor everything in this world. J.P. Morgan has a message for taxpayers. Thanks for paying $7 billion to our $13 billion fraud settlement. Yeah. I'm sure they are grateful. Yeah. Edward Manning gets 35 years for exposing war crimes, and George W. Bush gets a library for committing war crimes. Huh. Uh, ISIS, the new Israel. ISIS has built a state driven by hatred for American occupation, a product of the death bar and destruction we were visited in the Middle East. Actually, ISIS is a completely fabricated enemy by the USA, and a CIA contractor is going to tell you that. ISIS is our Frankenstein. The United States, after a decade of war in Iraq... With respect to the issue of the United States taking military action against ISIS or ISIL or IL, whatever they are calling this organization right now, my response to the people that have been asking me about this is that if you want to get to the root of the problem and remove this organization, the first thing they need to do is remove the funding and take care of the entities responsible for the creation of this group. And that would bring the uh, the forces here at home because clearly this is entirely a farce. This is a completely fabricated enemy. The funding is uh, completely from the United States and its allies. And uh, for people to think that uh, this enemy is uh, something that needs to be attacked in Syria or, or Iraq is, is, uh, is a farce, because obviously this is something that we created, that we control, and only now it has become convenient for us to attack this group as a legitimate enemy. and. Clearly, when they say that they don't need permission to go into Syria and attack that country, one can only imagine how long it will be before they are dropping bombs on the the home of uh, Bashar Assad. So I think that uh, this is uh, a complete farce, and I think that the American public, I I would like to believe that uh, they are not completely ignorant of of the source of this, but... uh, Obviously, these tactics that they're using uh, with the uh, executions, the videotaped executions or alleged executions, are designed to create massive amounts of fear and and, uh, cause a response here at home, or a knee-jerk reaction, if you will, to authorize more spending and more bloodshed and and more warfare. But, uh, again, this is... this is uh, not to change the subject, but this is almost like Ebola, which everyone is also getting upset about. And we know that this has been patented by the U.S. government, and this is just another terror weapon. So I believe that uh, this ISIS group would probably go away and would be easily defeated by uh, the armies of Bashar Assad, perhaps, if uh, they were left alone to their, their own their own ways and their own sources of funding. I, I I am very disappointed that so many people think that this is an attractive group to join, 
but uh, I suspect that there are people who are disillusioned with the current power structure of the world, and they think that this may be a, an effective way of making big changes in the world. But ultimately, I believe that this terror organization is a complete fabrication, and uh, that uh, the true source of the problem is probably ultimately going to rest within our own government or perhaps even uh, banking cabals and rough, rough childs and, and the, uh, the usual source, sources to the, for, for all of this sort of thing. That was Stephen Kelly, uh, CIA. He was a, he's a former he's a former CIA contractor. Yeah, it's just the ISIS, the new Israel. Yeah. Um, the is, Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, ISIS, is our enemy, is our Frankenstein. The, the United States, after a decade of war in Iraq, pieced together its body parts. We jolted it into life. We bathed it in blood and trauma, and we gave it its intelligence. Its dark and vicious heart of vengeance war is our heart. It kills as we kill. It tortures as we torture. It carries out conquest as we carry out conquest. It is a product of the death, horror, and destruction we visited on the Middle East. ISIS now controls an area the size of Texas. It is erasing the borders established by French and British colonial powers to the 1916 Sky Pickup Agreement. Sykes Pickup. Yeah, there is little uh, we can do to stop it. ISIS, ironically, is perhaps the only example of successful nation building in the contemporary Middle East, despite the billions of dollars we have squandered in Iraq and Afghanistan. Its quest for the ethnically pure Sunni state mirrors the quest for a Jewish state eventually carved out of Palestine in 19. Its tactics are much like those of the Jewish guerrillas who used violence, terrorism, foreign fighters, clandestine arms, shipments, and foreign money, along with horrific ethnic cleansing and the massacre of hundreds of Arab civilians to create Israel. While antagonistic ISIS and Israeli states infected with religious fundamentalism would be irreconcilable neighbors. This is a recipe for apocalyptic warfare. We provide the ingredients. I and Loretta Napoleoni, the author of the book The Islamic Phoenix, spoke uh, at several second events in Manhattan and, and uh, headquarters of the New York Society for Ethical Culture. Napoleoni uh, pointed out that the message imparted to Muslims by ISIS is radically different from that of other jihadist groups especially Al-Qaeda. ISIS does not call for martyrdom and self-immolation. It has launched a jihadist against secular and discredited regimes in the Middle East rather than against Western targets abroad. It is seeking to establish, as the Zionists did in Palestine, a utopian religious state. It, it uh, holds up the ancient caliphate, which united Muslims throughout the Middle East the 7th century, and whose time is considered the golden age of Islam as an ideal, much as Jews held up the biblical kingdoms chronicled in the Hebrew Bible. ISIS, to build its state, has called on engineers, doctors, and technicians to immigrate to the area that it controls. And ISIS, 
Although devoted to a fundamentalist form of Salafist Islam, is uh, thoroughly modern. It has mastered sophisticated forms of electronic communication and delivers its messages through social media. And unlike groups such as Al-Qaeda, which bans television sets and radios, it views the technical advances of modern society as an asset. The mixture of fundamentalist religion with modernity, 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 is a potent and intoxicating brew for disenfranchised Muslims. And ISIS has attained what peaceful uprisings in the Middle East have not. Liberation from detested regimes, at least for now. Modern technology and a clear understanding of how our multipolar world functions, however, are not enough to succeed. Napoleone writes of the uprisings known as the Arab Spring. Is it possible that the smartphone uprisings, including the Arab Spring, failed where the Islamic State has succeeded because the latter is managed by a professional elite which guides the rank and file while the former finds itself at the mercy of their constant interaction and participation? If so, is the Islamic State's model of nation-building more modern than that of the Arab Spring? Terror, as was true for the Jewish fighters in Palestine in the late 1940s, is an effective tool to intimidate opponents and accelerate ethnic cleansing. The fear of ISIS at its most potent weapon the fear of ISIS is its most impot- its most potent weapon. Iraqi army troops, although better armed than ISIS fighters and outnumbering them, drop their US supplied weapons and flee before ISIS. Shiites abandon whole villages to ISIS. And all the U.S. advisors sent to put some spine in the Iraqi government forces have so far been unable to significantly stem the advance. Sunni militants in Iraq, in Iraq consciously orchestrated the conflict between Sunnis and Shiites. This class, was, as was true in the former Yugoslavia, is not the result of ancient ethnic hatred. It was created for political expediency, when Abu Musab al-Zakawi, a Jordanian radical, arrived in Iraq, he founded al-Tawahid al-Jihad. His group used forged documents to infiltrate over 100 fighters from al-Qaeda, most of whom had been in Afghanistan into Iraq. Zarqawi's goal was to spark, under the cover of fighting, the Western coalition forces, a sectarian conflict with the Shiites. Now, Zarqawi, I have to mention, was was uh, was a psyops program uh, sponsored by the United States. Now he doesn't mention this, but it was proven Zarqawi was nothing but a but a big psyops program. Well, program. well, we have. And he's sponsored by the U.S. You know, it was it was all. He understood that a unified Shiite and Sunni state would thwart the dream of a Sunni Islamic state. He had to ignite a religious war. His group in 2004 eventually became al-Qaeda in Iraq and declared its loyalty to Osama bin Laden, who had initially rejected Zakawi's tactic of attacking Shiites. Zakawi was killed in 2006. His death was followed a year later by the so-called Sunni Awakening. By 2010, the radical group was almost extinct. Abu Bakr al-Bahadi, 
who claimed to be a direct descendant of the Prophet and who holds a degree in Islamic studies from the University of Baghdad, was held in 2004 by U.S. forces in southern Iraq's camp Bukha, where he built the following among his fellow prisoners. He took over the leadership of the Kawi's organization, changed the name of the group to the Islamic State of Iraq, and moved its members to Syria to fight in the civil war there. Once there, he amassed weapons and cash pouring into Syria from countries such as Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Qatar. He used these resources to rebuild this group, not to help the rebels overrule the, overthrow the Syrian regime. He began attacking other jihadists and rebel groups and carved out territory under his exclusive control. Al-Nusra, the al-Qaeda-affiliated group in Syria, merged with the Islamic State of Iraq. The new group became the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, or ISIS. ISIS has now seized control of enough resources to be self-sufficient. The group is estimated by the Wall Street Journal to earn $2 million a day in oil exports alone, and it has attracted an estimated 12,000 foreign fighters, including 2,000 from Europe. In June 2014, it declared the establishment of a new caliphate. The historical caliphate, which lasted from Prophet Muhammad's death in 632 to 661, controlled a vast empire that stretched from the Arabian Peninsula and the Levant across North Africa up to Central Asia. And religious militants have long held it up as the ideal for the Muslim state they seek to create. By 2011, Baghdadi had been designated by the U.S. State Department as a specifically designated global terrorist. The United States has posted a reward of up to $10 million for information leading to his capture or death. Technically speaking, the caliphate is a religious and political authority that is above everybody else. Napoleone said earlier this month before the Society for Ethical Culture, every single Muslim government is automatically below the caliph. This is a huge threat to countries like Saudi Arabia. ISIS is a mortal threat to the House of Saud. It is an open challenge to the religious authority of the Saudi ruling family, which is the custodian of Mecca, the site of the holiest shrine in Islam. It challenges by anointing Baghdadi as a caliph the right of the Saudis to determine religious doctrine. And Baghdadi, in the eyes of many Muslims, has the aura that surrounded partisan leaders such as Yugoslavian Joseph Broz Tito during World War II. Foreign recruits crossing over the border from Turkey into Syria will often fall on their knees, weep, and pray before entering ISIS's new caliphate. The danger Napoleonic pointed out is not that ISIS will invade Saudi Arabia, but that it will delegitimize the Saudi monarchy. This, she said, would, con- would trigger an upheaval inside the kingdom and threaten the viability of one of Washington's most important allies. Well, we created that place. Yeah. Yeah, we created them all. The group is seen as an anti-imperialist force because it is erasing the borders within the old Middle East. See, you know, to me, you know, this this article is, is almost done, but, you know, it's a lot of bullshit, and I'll tell you why. Because 
you know, what they're saying is not accurate. Um, you know, it, uh, you know, you know what they call this? Trolls. All right, they call it trolls, Lila. And uh, there, there's a lot. Of, Nation of Change, I believe, is one of them. Uh, these are these are these are groups. They're always asking for funds and everything else, but you know, the problem. What is, is it that they're saying that's so well, inaccurate? Well, Zarqawi was not what you say. Zarqawi was in PSYOPs with that. He was backed by the United States. Well, right. all, they said that right in the beginning of the article. It was all created by the United It was. And, but it goes on to Al-Qaeda. And they, they, they well, did, we created that, too. But they convolute everything, and it, it bothers me. It really bothers me. And there's a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of groups out there that are putting stuff out, right, that, that are false. It's false. Or it's fabricated. It's 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 misleading, you know, and it's done that way to 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 offset whatever they're doing, you know. It's just it's just. Well, not I'm not sure what they said that was misleading. They said that it was all well, created you know by us. I don't really care because I don't trust this group anymore. I did at one time. I I don't because I I, I believe they're trolls. Right? And the trolls are trolls. They're out there putting misinformation out there. Mis Skewing, skewing the, the news, skewing information, and it, 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 that's what their jobs are. And they're paid by the government to do that. Yeah. So anyway, here's something interesting. I thought here are the most insidious things that polluted America's air and water this year. Forget oil. Huh? Oil isn't even the worst. This year, three billion gallons of waste were injected into California's underground aquifers. Eighty million pounds of toxic gray group were spilled into the North Carolina waterway. Clouds of thick black oily dust coated children's playgrounds equipment in Chicago southeast side. Like every year, 2014 saw a wide range of environmental pollution from fossil fuel environments. But there are no BP scale well blowouts, no uh, lake mechanic sized crude oil train explosions. Instead, many of this year's major fossil fuel disasters came from a more insidious source. Not from the fuels themselves, but from the waste products they create. These are essentially the leftovers from fossil fuel development, wastewater from oil and gas drilling, and coal ash from coal burning petroleum coke from tar sand refining. <clears throat> I think it's been a big year for coal ash fracking and pet coke, says Al- uh, Abigail Dillon, the vice president of the litigation of earth justice and environmental law firm. We saw some high-profile disasters, and they happened at moments in the news cycle where they got you know, where they got more attention. While 2014 was not devoid of conventional polluters, environmentalists say the news media has had an increased focus on waste-based pollutants in 2014, a signal that the problem is growing. I don't, I haven't seen that in the mainstream media, but maybe it is. Most importantly, they say it shines a light on the lack of federal environmental regulation that could ensure safe disposal of the waste. Here's a look back at our and how fossil fuels wastes like coal, ash, wastewater, and pet coke shape the year in pollution. 
slow burn of fracking waste. I, I'm curious of this because, I mean, this, this article, unfortunately, is a little long, but um, it, it's kind of important to, 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 to know and to, to maybe to identify, you know, what, what, where the waste products are and where the pollution is really. Compared to big oil spills and minor explosions, waste-based pollution events don't normally capture a ton of public interest, mainly because they don't lend themselves to dramatic news coverage. But take wastewater, for example. It's just cloudy-looking water, hundreds of billions of gallons of which are disposed every year. And though it usually contains chemicals, heavy metals, and radioactive material, it doesn't look like much. It's usually stored in dormant pits or injected, well, uh, injected underground. So unless something dramatic happens, pollution usually accumulates slowly seeping into soil and groundwaters instead of happening all at once. Think of it this way. You probably wouldn't pay attention if 10 gallons of oil spilled into your neighbor's driveway, but you would freak out if 10 gallons spilled there every day for a year. It's the slow burn, Dylan said. You only have many immediate catastrophes to raise the issue. The culmination of a slow burn into a scald is how wastewater pollution came into the public view. Right. So, in other words, fracking is destroying a lot of fracking. is really, really killing mm-hmm. stuff. Petco, gritty black dust. Not all fossil fuels dispose of their waste. That's the case with petroleum coke or pet coke, the dusty byproduct of refining Canadian tar sands oil, the, dis- the substance that actually can, can actually be burned as a power source like coal. Because of this, the EPA does not define pet coke as a waste product. The problem is most power plants in the U.S. and Canada won't burn pet coke due to the high level of greenhouse gas emissions and other pollutants it emits. So when pet coke is produced at U.S. oil refineries, it's not disposed of. It's stored until it can be shipped off to developing countries and looser pollution restrictions. And since we don't use it, pet coke acts like waste in the U.S. because while it's here, it sits uncovered barges waiting to be shipped. Ugh. Yeah. Petco sitting in those barges has been blowing on to homes, uh, huge buildings and playgrounds since at least 2013. They didn't stop at 2.14. Reports from news outlets throughout the year describe dismal, wind, uh, dismal situations of a hospice worker who can't open her windows on hot days because of gritty black dirt, dust that comes in. Kids that with pet coat dust on their faces, an outdoor an outdoor 60th birthday party run by a black smelly cloud. Both industry and EPA assert the pet coat does not pose a significant enough risk to human health to deem it a hazardous waste, but the EPA does acknowledge that it presents health risks. The particles of the dust are small enough. They can pass through the nose and lungs, aggravating the cardiovascular and respiratory systems. Nurses in the Chicago area said that too big of a problem to brush aside. This year's members of National Nurses United rallied to demand that Chicago Rahm Emanuel mayor put an immediate stop to a large pile of pet coke stored along the Talmud River in, in Chicago. Can you imagine those particles lodging in people's lungs? Yeah. You never get them out. They'll die of lung disease. Sure. And they'll have the black lung and they didn't even yeah. they didn't even do any mining. 
Majority of those panels are owned by KCBX Terminals, a firm controlled by brothers Charles and David Koch. Uh, Mayor Emanuel responded by introducing an ordinance in February that said the piles could stay there, uh, could stay where they are, but the operators have to enclose them by 216 to prevent dust from blowing around. In addition, no new storage terminals can be built along the river. But environmental advocates uh, ramped up the pressure, saying two more years of black dust were still too many, and in September, that pressure drove uh, Beansterboro Slag Corporation, one of the largest pet coke storage companies in the area, to move out of Chicago. The fight is still raging with coke-owned KCBX, which has already threatened legal action if the city does not allow an extra two more years until 18 to cover up their pet coke piles. And the company said it will also fight for large piles Larger piles. To the city's new limits, 45 feet high rather than the current 30 foot. And with no federal environmental regulations on how pet coke should be stored to prevent pollution, safe to say Chicago pet coke won't be expanded well into 2015. Yeah. That's amazing. Huh? And then they have anger, bitterness, coal ash, uh, spotlight on waste. But it's just, I mean, you know, they're just allowing these companies to just destroy the environment. Mm-hmm. They don't care. You know? That's it's because Rob Emanuel's probably paid off. Oh, yeah. They're all paid off. They're all paid off. That's why he was put there. Yeah. By Obama. Chicago. Deadly Fukushima radiation up more than 50,000% as elevated radiation levels are seen across North America. It's right yeah. Beta radiation levels are off the charts at monitoring sites all over North America, according to news reports. But experts are blaming these radiation spikes on practically everything except for Fukushima. Data gathered from tracking units in California, Arizona, in Illinois, and elsewhere reveal radiation levels up to 50,000% higher than what was observed at the same time last year, and in some cases, compared to levels seen this past summer. EnvironmentalReporter.com says the impacted sites are scattered throughout the country and aren't just confined to the West Coast. Reading taken near Los Angeles, Chicago, Montgomery, and Madison, Wisconsin, reveal total beta counts per minute greatly exceed the 1,000 CPM threshold considered by the government to be problematic. In Tucson, Arizona, for instance, the 460 CPM reading was recently taken, which more than 10 times higher than the reading taken last year on November 27th. San Diego appears to be one of the hardest-hit areas with a CPM reading of 650. U.S. Environmental Protection Agency RADNET radiation monitors have detected renewed surges in atmosphere readings of dangerous beta radiation across the country. Over a dozen metropolitan test sites have registered four-month highs in EnviroReport.com's most recent comprehensive assessment. And a radiation testing site near Chicago records radiation levels thousands of times higher than maximum safety. California officials will blame plastic-eating utensils for the radiation spike. Mm-hmm. Insist it can't be Fukushima. 
plastic plastic forks. Exactly how the U.S. trained and armed ISIS.
some of the U.S.'s massive training and funding in the Middle East has gone directly to ISIS. So call them whatever you want. This latest terrorist group is largely made in the USA. Tonight, let's talk about that by following me on Twitter at The Resident. So, different sources are saying the same thing. ISIS is a creation by the U.S. government. Money, drugs, drug money probably funded it. And oil. Well, here's an article. U.S. war on terror is a war on Israel's enemies. Montreal Gazette explains that 
besides widespread farmer resistance to the crop, which is completely unnecessary as natural alfalfa already grows heartily and steadily. against genetically modified seeds in general, but we voted unanimously for two years in a row. The commercialization of GM alfalfa should probably be prohibited, uh, stated Marcel Gorillo, a UPA member and farmer who, along with his brother, raises 100 dairy cows in Quebec. Like many other farmers throughout the region, Gorillo is concerned that GM Alfalfa will contaminate conventional and organic, organic alfalfa, as alfalfa is a perennial crop pollinated by bees that spreads easily. Organic farms are very much against it because GM alfalfa might spread. It's a perennial too, admitted Victor Lefebvre, director of Quebec-based Pixseed, a company that has planned to sell GM alfalfa. Organic dairy meat to be forever lost as a result of GM alfalfa. Dairy and livestock farmers in particular rely on alfalfa to feed their animals year-round. In fact, it is probably the most important staple crop currently grown in Quebec, which is why many farmers are speaking their mind about this potentially irreversible change to the agricultural process. Canada's organic market has tripled since 2006 toppling 3.7 billion annually. But this entire market is threatened with the elimination by GM alfalfa. We've developed this niche here. That's why the issue is more important here than in other provinces, explains Gorillo to the Montreal Gazette. Organic farmers will suffer significant commercial losses because GM contamination means they won't comply with Canada's Canadian organic standards. As you may recall, Australian wheat and oat farmer Stephen Marsh had his organic farm contaminated by nearby GM canola crops, the contaminated pollen of which blew over onto his land. Marsh lost his organic certification as a result and is now in the process of suing the farmer responsible for the contamination, which led to major financial losses. Preventing GM cross-contamination is impossible, experts agree. Inter-industry officials have repeatedly tried to coddle regulatory bodies into approving the crop on the basis that a mitigatory uh, plan uh, be put in place to um, prevent cross-contamination. But those in the organic industry, not to mention the billions of consumers that rely on organic food for health and sustenance, Recognize this as an empty lobbying ploy that simply won't work. The industry is pretending it can stop GM alfalfa from contaminating our fields, but that's pure fiction, says Gilbert Haldi, president of the or Union of Organic Milk Producers of Quebec, last year as a protest. GM alfalfa cannot be contained by any type of plan. Will the bees read, read the industry's plan? And Grulo agrees, having uh, told reporters that no matter what Monsanto does, GM alfalfa will spread if it's eventually planted commercially. 
And Canada will already has already suffered consequences of GM flax, which spread to non-GM fields back in 2009, causing millions of dollars in losses for both farmers and taxpayers. What I've heard from specialists is that it will spread because of bees and water, opines Grolo. Although also in Quebec, we have small farms, which means you can't easily isolate one farm from another. It would be almost impossible to prevent any cross-contamination and cross-pollination. So that they, they're banning this, this, this miserable Monsanto bastard. No? Yep. I, I just hate it. In Congress, um, secretly just legitimized questionable NSA mass surveillance tool. This is fascinating. I want you to read this, too. Uh, uh, we recently noted that despite, despite its passing overwhelmingly, Congress quietly deleted a key bit of NASA NSA reform that would have blocked the agency from using backdoors for surveillance. So now they can do that by something they slipped in yeah. at the last minute. Yeah. Now here's something frightening as hell. The Treasury Department seeks survival kit to prepare employees at every major bank for coming collapse. The National Department is looking to buy survival kits for all of its employees who are prior proprietors of the federal banking system, according to a new government solicitation posted online. As reported by the Washington Free Beacon, the emergency goods and supplies are for every employee at the Office of the Controller and Currency, the OCC, which is in charge of conducting on-site reviews and audits of banks around the, the nation. According to the solicitation, each survival kit contains everything from water purification tablets to solar blankets, and the government is willing to spend up to $200,000 on the kits. The solicitation says, which can be viewed here on PDF format. The FB, the, the, the FB noted the uh, what is it, central bank, the federal... Just keep going. The uh, Washington Free Beacon, it's the... It's a, it's an online uh, okay. communication. I noted that the uh, specified that the kits come in either a fanny pack or a pack that, that can hold all of the requested items, which include 33-piece personnel, first aid kit containing decongestant tablets, with uh, many different baggages and other Bandages. Yeah, that's weird. But why? Why do banking families need survival kits? These are serious kits for personnel you would never imagine should need one in normal circumstances. Where are you reading that? Right here. Oh, you didn't read that? Well, it just tells okay, all yeah, those yeah. things. But it doesn't really say why Why it do they need it. Yeah, survival kits, it, it, here's a link that so also the report said kits and other survival items will be sent to OCC offices all around the country. According to its website, the OCC mission is to ensure that national banks and federal savings associations operate in a safe and sound manner, provide fair access to financial services, treat customers fairly, blah, blah, blah. Are these people going to not be able to allow, not They're be not, allowed to leave the bank? That's what it looks like. In some, the agency has, has more than 3,800 employees and uh, reported noted, and each of them would be getting one of the new kits. Economic collapse on the horizon. The OCC staff includes bank examiners who lend sustained supervision to major banks around the country. These officers may take a look at banks 
financial health operations and facets of bank business. Examiners analyze loans and investment portfolios, funds, and so on and so forth. Uh, there's been less than 10 million. The FBI reported that OCC officials did not return requests for committing for, for comment regarding the order of new kits. So it is not clear yet why the agency would be ordering kits normally reserved for military or federal law enforcement personnel. That said, National News is reporting uh, on the worsening financial and economic conditions of the U.S. and the entire West for years, uh, though conditions have seemed to stabilize in recent months. That may simply be an illusion. However, as this equipment request from a federal financial manager, management agency suggests. So we may be in for a financial collapse. Uh, I've seen several reports on this uh, about you know, next uh, 2015, and they've already passed the laws that they can take, uh, you know, like they did in Cyprus, mm -hmm. deposits. They can grab your money. Five reasons you're totally crazy if you aren't going your own food. It's time to. Okay. We've come to the end of the show. Yeah. There's all kinds of news, folks. Go out there and the read some uh, for a yourself. Great, a great source is naturalnews.com. Check that out. We've, been just, we've just been reading that. So, uh, you know, help those guys out. They do a great job. And, uh, so anyway, that's, that's it for tonight. We want to thank everybody for joining us. And uh, I hope you will stay tuned. Uh, and, uh, you know, join us tomorrow night when we bring you more and more and more information that you can't, you know, you can't get anywhere else. Okay, good night, folks. Thanks night, for everybody. listening.